Greenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And good afternoon, and thank you for joining us, joining us on this Thursday afternoon. I've got to get my mouth working. Hello, Dan. Hey, Buzz. How goes it? It goes well. I'm very excited about today. I'm excited about tomorrow. Let me just forecast. Ooh. Today, I'll call it... You're going to tell me the weather? No, nothing about the weather. I'm gonna. Oh, okay. It's actually. You said forecast. Today, both of our guests in our four o'clock segment. I'm so excited, as I always am, when we have uh, Smith Professor Extraordinaire Carrie Baker. I think I could call today Baker's Dozen, because uh, Carrie Baker is going to be with us in just a couple of minutes um, to be talking about the Roe Act, the Massachusetts uh, enhancement of um, reproductive health rights of women. Um, and uh, it's such an important topic, and I can't wait. At 4.30, um, there is a new Conway Fine Arts um, program, which is, um, uh, perform which is resulting in the performance of really quality music throughout uh, our region, and we'll hear more about that from Jeffrey Baker. Um, tomorrow, Fair Play with Duke Goldman. We're going to be talking about Bill Russell and his activism, and Brittany uh, Griner, another activist, and what we're going to be asking is, is she suffering more in Russia because she's a female and or black and or gay? We're going to be talking about that with Duke Goldman, the uh, sports historian, and the uh, segment which he has every other week, Fair Play, with us. And tomorrow, the second of the three candidates for Democratic nomination for Attorney General Quinton Palfrey will be joining us. For those who listened on Tuesday, uh, you heard Shannon Liz Reardon, who has been uh, endorsed by the AFL-CIO in Massachusetts. And then next week, we will have Andrea Campbell, who has been uh, endorsed by uh, current Attorney General and candidate for Governor Maura Healey. But let's turn to Carrie Baker, who I'm with in studio. Thank you so much for joining us, Carrie. Great to be here. It's, um, I know you're an educator, ed educator. I guess I have to pay tuition because every time you <laughs> no, come, no, no. I learn so much. <laughs> so um, we have spoken before about the dreadful Dobbs versus Jackson uh, decision, uh, the, the decision that basically um, reversed 50 years of Roe versus Wade and the right to an abortion, uh, access to health care for women throughout the country. And instead, it seems to be falling on states to decide whether that right will be preserved or not, and far too many states are saying no. But we have a sort of model state that we're living in, don't we? We sure do. So let's talk about um, uh, about the Roe Act here in Massachusetts. Yeah, so the Roe Act was actually the law that was passed in December of 2020 uh, that expanded access to abortion. This is a act that was just passed on July 29th and signed by the governor shortly after that, that further protects abortion rights. And it's in many respects, it's doing it's it's just chock full of all sorts of interesting things. Some fixes for the Roe Act, and then some expansions, some new things that are really um, um, providing stronger protections for abortion rights. And there's one thing in it that's buried deep in it that nobody talks about, that we are the first state in the nation to do, and it's really exciting. So I'll get to that at the end. I can't wait. I'm going to interrupt only to tell you what our representative, my representative, Natalie Blay, told me. Yes. Did you hear about the floor debate 
on the last day before this was passed by the House. No, tell me about it. She said, every woman legislator, we have 160 legislators, I think about half of them are a little less than half, are uh, women here in Massachusetts. Um, So roughly 70, I'm going to say. Women, every single one of them took the floor and told a personal story of somebody that they knew who had an abortion issue or just a life story about their reproductive health that um, she said there wasn't a dry eye, male or female, in the House. Republicans were crying along with Democrats. Wow. People who were opposed to abortion were crying because it's one after another. Yeah. So I just thought that's how a legislature should operate, right? Yeah. 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 Anyway. Having people tell their stories and people actually listening to them, empathizing with them, and acting on it. I mean, for so long, this What a issue, novel idea. Yeah, huh? I know. You'd think that would be what we would do. But uh, for so long, this issue has been so deadlocked and politicized. And I feel like um, Dobbs, I mean, it just. It's a wild west out there, and but it, it has really shaken people up, and even people that oppose abortion are, I think, as many have said, the dog has caught the car. And we're seeing the kinds of implications like what we saw in Ohio, where a 10-year-old girl who got raped by, I think, a 27-year-old man was denied an abortion in Ohio and had to travel to Indiana to get that health care. And now Indiana has banned abortion in all cases at all times, even in cases of rape, even in cases of rape of 10-year-old girls. So she wouldn't be able to go there. She'd have to go to yet another state, travel a longer distance to find the health care that she needs. And, you know, it's really dangerous for 10-year-olds to give birth. No, they're children. They're yeah. children and their bodies. The, the process of pregnancy saps calcium from their bones. They can't grow. They're more likely to experience osteoporosis later in life. I mean, it, you know, we don't even know the implications of what these kinds of laws are going to do to women and to people that can become well, we know pregnant. In the 70s, I spent time in, in Bolivia. And a lot of them, people didn't even know they were in Bolivia. They didn't speak Spanish. It was Quechua and Aymara, mm. the old Incan tongues. And the longevity f- for women was said to be 41 years yeah. because they often, to get them out of the house, to get them, because people couldn't afford to keep their children. Yeah. It was such a poor country that they would be married by 12 or 13. Right. And give Have children and die at after. 40. Yeah. Yeah, I do think, you know, potentially if half the states ban abortion, we probably will see um, life um, expectancy for women go down. Now, I'm not, I don't know that, and I don't, um, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medical person. Well, you are a doctor, just not that kind. Well, yeah, that's true. (laughs) The other kind (laughs) of You're a doctor, you're a lawyer, professor, writer, editor. Yeah. Yeah. But I do think that, um, you know, this law has shaken up uh, certainly people in states like Massachusetts. I mean, I... I compare what happened to get the Roe Act passed, which was fighting tooth and nail month after month for years to get these basic protections. And you know, the vetoed governor it. vetoed it and yeah. it had to go back. And, you know, it had to be, it wasn't even a regular bill. It was a budget amendment. It wasn't passed as a regular bill. And this bill came together in just weeks. And Baker signed it without his, a veto. And his lieutenant governor... Uh, she spoke eloquently about the need for it. it yeah. So it was, it really was, I, I mean, I'm not, you'll never hear me say Dobbs did us a favor, but right. at least it, it uh, sharpened the edges for some people. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, because of this, 
Com- Vice President Kamala Harris comes to the state and participates on a panel with Baker and with Becca um, Hart Holder, the head of Reproductive Equity Now, and other leaders, legislative leaders, and talked about what we need to do to protect abortion access. So, I mean, all of that's really exciting. I, I also think, by the way, even in even in red states, um, they're kind of freaking out over what they're going to do with this. And there's now divisions among Republicans and, and sort of panic about, oh, my God, what do we do now? We've been able to, because of Roe, we've been able to be ardently anti-abortion, but now that we realize what banning abortion actually means for people's lives, they're having to kind of like think twice, and it's dividing Republicans, even in these extreme cases. So it's been, from an academic perspective, it's been really fascinating. And um, you I know, know what you mean, but, but, but from a human perspective, it's catastrophic. Yeah. So let's talk about what yeah. it does. Yeah, so I'm going to just sort of go through some of the things that it does that, um, uh, you know, and there's a lot, but I mean, okay, I'll just start with this. Do you remember with the Roe Act, it legalized abortion after 24 weeks in cases of fatal fetal anomaly. Yes. And this was heavily, it was very controversial. People didn't like the language. No. And it was one of the reasons the governor vetoed the bill is he didn't like that. And so the veto override was because he didn't want to sign on to this. Well, what happened shortly after that went into effect is that we realized that language was not strong enough. It did not protect people. I don't know if you remember the story of Kate Deneen, who had um, her fetus, a wanted child, had a catastrophic stroke in utero. And it was after 20 weeks. And she couldn't get care in Massachusetts because they didn't, it wasn't fatal. I mean, it was 50% fatal. And, you know, yes, the baby would be born with all sorts of problems and maybe not survive, but it, you know, it didn't fit this language. So she had to pay $10,000 out of pocket for a procedure and to travel out of state for an abortion. So this needed a fix. So what the new law does is it clarifies rather, you know, whereas Roe had only allowed the procedure after 24 weeks in cases of a lethal fetal anomaly, the new law allows in the best medical judgment of a physician, abortion in four cases. If the abortion is necessary to preserve the life of the patient, if it's necessary to preserve the patient's physical or mental health, if it's warranted because of a lethal fetal anomaly or diagnosis, or if it's warranted because of a grave fetal diagnosis that indicates that the fetus is incompatible with sustained life outside of the uterus without extraordinary medical interventions. So it basically would cover a case like Kate Deneen. It is a good fix. So that's a huge thing. Another thing the law does is it requires insurance coverage of abortion and abortion-related care. We didn't have that in Massachusetts. Not many states do have it, but we have it now. So it basically ensures that abortion... Uh, coverage, that abortion is affordable and not subject to cost sharing for low-income individuals. That's huge. The law also, and this is my prefer, my uh, my sort of pet provision, it requires public universities and, and colleges to provide medication abortion at campus health centers. Mm. Now, this is I say it's my favorite because I did um, research to show how not having this available imposed real burdens on college students. They had to travel um, on average. I think for UMass students, they had to travel 24 miles one way. If they didn't have a car and had to go on public transportation, that would take two hours and 18 minutes one way. And I, I in the, my research, I talked a lot about you know the waiting times and how students had to search for care online and they'd end up at crisis pregnancy centers and other kinds of barriers. So this will mean it will be available right on campus with the 
care providers that you already know and are comfortable with. I wonder who put pressure on, uh, because you think it was the universities? Because they could have voluntarily done this, right? Yes, they could have voluntarily done it. And actually, before the law was signed, UMass did voluntarily do it, uh, but it yeah, was UMass. because they knew this was coming down the pike. Oh, I see. Uh, and because of advocates asking them to do it. But there's 13 universities in the state, and they were the only one, and, and you know they are going to do it starting in September. But um, now all of them will have to do it. And hopefully this provision will pressure private schools to also do it, like Smith College and, you know, uh, Amherst and, and, you know, the other colleges, because there's no reason why students should have to leave campus to get this basic care that's easy and sa safer. You know, medication abortion is safer than Tylenol. Give, give us another one, another feature of uh, the uh, acts, because we have to take a break in about a minute. I'll give you a quick feature. I want the big one I'm going to get to in a second, but the bill affirms the right to gender-affirming care in Massachusetts. Mm. So it's broader than just abortion. And it also affirms the right to emergency contraception um, through... Um, with no cost to your insurance through, uh, it's called a standing, let's see, it's called a statewide standing order for prescription and over-the-counter emergency contraception, allowing licensed pharmacists following a training program to provide emergency contraception to people that come to the desk and um, have it be covered by insurance with no cost. That is really exciting. That is so exciting. Well, as one former Atlantan to another Absolutely. Atlantan. <laughs> we, just we live in a great this. state. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> We're going to take a break. We're going to be back with Professor Carrie Baker and talk more about what Massachusetts' response to that dreadful Dobbs case was right after these messages. We'll be right back. As a civil right. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg. 101.5 WHMP. At 16, showing up for class. I was out there in the rain, learning how to kick some ass. I was done at 16, using my mama's key. Sunday mornings on WHMP means polka, polka carousel. Every Sunday morning from 8 till noon, TZ brings his award winning polka carousel to the airwaves of the valley. Playing the polka classics and the latest polka hits. There are polka hits. Brought to you by Saluzniak Funeral Home, Northampton's funeral home for over 110 years and four generations of unparalleled, thoughtful memorial care. It's Polka Carousel every Sunday morning from 8 till noon, WHMP. Ace flips burgers at her day job as she tries to outrun the shadows of the past she shares with her dad who spends his days watching game shows from his lawn chair, On the Moon. Chester Theatre Company presents To the Moon and Back, a world premiere starring Tara Franklin and Ray Burke as a daughter and father with a history as murky as the dark side of the moon. To the Moon and Back, August 11th through the 21st at Chester Theatre Company. Get tickets now at chestertheatre.org. Hey everyone, it's Gordon Oliver. And I'm Tina Marie. And we're popping in to get everyone excited about this week's The Cambridge Connection radio show. Ooh, can't wait to hear who we're speaking with next. And before we share this week's guest, I want to remind everyone that we're here on WHMP every Saturday morning at 9.30 a.m. to help you, our listeners, navigate life's options, especially when it comes to financial wellness and empowerment. Let's not forget about all the success stories, too. Okay, Tina Marie, you ready? Ready. When it comes to your finances, often your credit score matters more than your money. Listen in to Paul Oster, CEO of Better Qualified, this Saturday. 
Do you know what's happening this Friday at 9 a.m.? Is this week's Shop Friday Downtown Sounds? Correct! They go on sale this Friday at 9 a.m. Full value gift certificates and you save 30%. Downtown Sounds Workers Co-op, a music store with new and used instruments and lessons. Live online or live in person. First lessons free when you buy an instrument. Plus, repairs of musical instruments and equipment. Get ready to save 30% beginning Friday at 9 a.m. The Shop 30 store at whmp.com. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 And we are back professor and attorney and editor Carrie Baker from Ms. Magazine. And we are talking about Massachusetts' response to the dreadful Dobbs decision at the end of uh, the Supreme Court of the United States session this year. Um, so, Carrie, you were talking about the Massachusetts fix and expansion of the DOE Act. Yeah, absolutely. The ROE Act. So, the ROE Act. We ended before the break on emergency contraception, and I have just one more thing to add, and this is great. There's a provision that allows emergency contraceptives to be available um, in vending machines. And this is a student campaign. Um, Boston University got a vending machine campaign. The students organized. And then I think folks realized, wait a minute, I think this may not be fully... Uh, legal. And so there's a fix in this bill allowing vending machines to distribute emergency contraception. And it's great because it, the one it used hugely popular. And this model allows schools to bulk order and offer EC for as low as $7.25. Now, if you go to the pharmacy, it's between 40 and 50 bucks. So students love it. They can get it at any time. They don't have to like buy it from somebody. They can get it when they need it. You know, the embarrassment's gone. You know, if you're traumatized because of an incident, you can just go get it privately and use it and not have to worry about becoming pregnant. So that's, that's a huge thing. That is a huge thing. I wonder if it's going to be in restrooms or is it just going to be right there next to the Coca-Cola machine? Yeah, I hope so. I hope it's on on Broad Street here in Northampton. It's not limited to schools. I hope that we have them outside of pharmacies or in places where the public can get. And and eventually, this is my dream, that those machines have not only EC, but birth control pills generally and eventually abortion pills. That's my like long vision. This has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but I have to tell you that my grandson, when he was 12 years old, was studying shark attacks and what he did for his little study is he talked about all the things uh that are fatal throughout the world in any given year more fatal than shark attacks and one of the things which was more fatal than shark attacks was vending machines <laughs> people trying to people get their money back yeah, right, and getting right, right. crushed so yeah, i, I just had this image with you know yeah. going to get your contraception <laughs> yeah. and then i want be my careful. Pills. <laughs> right 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 <laughs> So the next, the last, main last provision I want to talk about, because I know we're short on time, but this is huge. It's a provision to protect providers of reproductive health care from lawsuits from people outside of the state. If somebody comes from out of state for care, and that's either gender-affirming care or reproductive health care, abortion health care, this provision in the new law basically prevents Massachusetts courts from being used as a venue for hostile state claims, hostile out-of-state claims seeking liability for provision of lawful abortion care here in Massachusetts. So that means like somebody comes here, gets an abortion, goes back to Texas, and then Texas brings a law, uh, you know, tries to bring a lawsuit against the provider in Massachusetts. Which for the Texas Taliban care. allows. Exactly, exactly. Or those SB8 kind of laws that allow civilians to bring civil lawsuits against people. Mm. Basically, Massachusetts 
courts won't allow those to be enforced in the state of Massachusetts. Um, so it basically modifies our extradition strategy statutes to prohibit the extradition of Massachusetts providers who lawfully provide abortion care in Massachusetts or gender-affirming care to a resident of a different state where the procedure is illegal. It also protects those providers' professional licenses from being removed or any negative impacts of being sued by residents in another state on their professional um, licenses and also pr protects their malpractice assurance so that that won't go sky high. Yeah, it is really lawsuits. incredible. It's incredible yeah. because the recognition is so profound. Usually reciprocity is a given yeah. in most arenas of law. Yeah. You know, governor to governor, we recognize your warrants and we uh, don't really question it. So for the re legislature to step up in that manner was huge. Yeah. I, I had a quick question yeah. here for you, Carrie. What would happen in that same scenario of a doctor? here in Massachusetts who traveled to Texas to see an aunt or an uncle Well, or they shouldn't cousin. do that. They won't be able to do that. They won't be able they to could, travel. Because then could they could. Get, yes. No, they're breaking I mean, state law. They're, they're breaking Texas. state law in Texas, Every even state. though it was well, done in Massachusetts. No, and illegal. they're really not. I mean, Mass Texas can't ban abortion in Massachusetts. They can only ban abortion in Texas. Oh, I thought, yeah. I, maybe I misunderstood your question. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were, if they were going to Texas. No, not to do the procedure. They do the procedure here in Massachusetts. Take care of it, everything, yeah. everything legal, everything perfect. The person returns to Texas, the, the individual who had the procedure, they return to Texas. That doctor, let's just say, has a family member yes. in Austin, right? Wants to go visit that family member in Austin. They're going to take a plane to Austin see. to see. Yeah, I think Texas will pass a law like people are not allowed to give abortions to people who you know, are our state citizens. So they, I mean, I think they will try to create criminal penalties. So I would not advise a Texas uh, Massachusetts doctor, doctor who provides an abortion in Massachusetts, Massachusetts. to travel to Texas. I mean, to this is why Texas. they would be extraditing to try to go after the person. Right. You know, they will try to create criminal provisions. I don't think those criminal provisions are constitutional because states can't ban something that happens in another state. In another well, state. But they probably this, will. With this court... Yeah, exactly. The other thing is that the law creates a civil remedy to recover damages assessed. Like, in other words, it allows a Massachusetts provider to countersue in these civil remedies cases for abusive litigation if somebody tries an SB8 try kind of suit against a Massachusetts doctor. But let me, I know we're short on time, so the, the most groundbreaking law part of this law, and nobody else in the whole country has done this. Like the, the, um, the, the requiring public universities to offer medication abortion, only one other state's done that, California. We're number two. Great. We're still at the front. But I'll tell you where we're absolutely out of front of every other state. This provider protection, these provisions, apply regardless of the patient's location. So if a Massachusetts doctor provides telehealth abortion to a Texas patient, they would be protected in Massachusetts, even though the patient is in Texas. We're the first state to do this. This means that any state in the union that bans abortion, Massachusetts providers can provide care to people in those states and be protected by Massachusetts law. This is huge. I don't know if you remember a while ago, I talked about Rebecca Gompertz, who has aid access. She's based in Europe. She provides telemedicine care to people in all 50 states. Well, she's out of the country, so she's safe. She's never coming to the country, so she's not going to be able to be sued. But this allows, and the problem with her is it takes two to three weeks to ship the meds from abroad. 
that. It has to go through customs. But now a doc in Massachusetts can mail overnight pills to somebody in Texas and monitor their care remotely from Massachusetts. And they are now protected in the state of Massachusetts. This is huge. It's huge. I am so proud to has, live in this state. Has the courts, uh, the federal courts, I would assume, have they uh, assured protection no. of, of, of commerce going between two states in, in terms oh. of... In terms of the mail, and the mail would have to be picked up here in Massachusetts and brought to Texas, yeah. if we're using the examples. And, and this so, makes I mean, me, yeah. all of this, this is new territory. Yeah. And, and whether these extradition, these provisions at all will be legal, whether this uh, provision about yeah. defining the care is occurring in Massachusetts because the providers in Massachusetts right, right. without regard to where the patient, patient is. is, all of this is issues of first impression in the courts. We don't know. Wow, okay. As far as mailing things, I mean, Biden's right. not going to do anything about it. Sure. But if a Republican gets back in, maybe they'll start to review our mail. Right. You know, but there are a lot of protections, protections for, for interstate mail. mail. That's what I was thinking. But but, yeah. you know, again, this is the Wild but West. But this we'll also, see. this is about privacy, right? I mean, what you, totally. what you purchase and what social media companies could maybe figure out, they could technically be like, I had to transfer the, your information to Texas authorities yeah, regarding a purchase. We already know is, that Nebraska is. mother who helped her daughter get an abortion, Facebook turned over their online, online. conversation, and that's being used in Nebraska to criminally prosecute uh, the mother the and mother. for felonies and the daughter who was 17 as an adult. I mean, you know, yes, I worry about the doc may serve the person in Texas, but is the person in Texas then going to be subject to criminal prosecution? Right now, there's no law against self-managed abortion, in, in, uh, and the Texas laws don't criminalize people who have abortions, just the providers who or people who help them. But uh, again, this is all the Wild West, well, but it, it is pushing they the front. Abortion, I'm sure. Yeah. But you know, that's why I loved so much when Vice President Harris, as you mentioned before, yeah. she was in Dorchester and she said, well, we got to stop thinking of this as abortion. This is health care. It's health care. What we're doing is, is making sure we ensure people have access to health care. Yeah. It's basic health care, and it's life, you know, protective health care. So um, we really um, should be proud of our state. Um, the bill also provides a confidential address program for providers because of extensive harassment and, and threats to their privacy, and creates a, um, has um, Reproductive Economy Now produce a report with the Department of Public Health on abortion access deserts in the Commonwealth. So it, I encourage folks to look more into this. Go on the website of Reproductive Equity Now or Plan. Parenthood Advocacy Fund, which, by the way, I just joined their board. Ooh, so they're lucky doing them. great work, and uh, we should be really proud of our organizations, our advocates here, and our lawmakers here in the state. We really are, we really are. and, and uh, we're proud to have you. Thank you so much. As an, to, to keep us informed, because it's a really important issue. It's a, a critical issue, and I'm so grateful every time you go on the show and explain it to us. Thanks, Buzz. Carrie Baker. We are going to be with another Baker. I told you it's Baker Dozen. We talked about the governor, Carrie was here, and now yeah. we have Gregory Baker. He's going We're to talk about... We're not all related. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? No. No, I think... I don't know how... I think this Baker who's about to come in is like 6'7". So I don't think you're related to oh, that guy. Oh, funny. Yeah. But we're going to be back with, with uh, Jeffrey Baker right after these messages. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMD.
For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. Governor Baker signed a sports betting bill into law Wednesday afternoon. The bill allows adults over the age of 21 to bet on professional sports and college-level sports that are participating in tournaments with at least four teams. A Southampton developer is seeking permission from the Greenfield Historical Commission to demolish the former rug manufacturing company properties on Newton Street to make way for a storage unit facility. The Greenfield Recorder reported that the demolition, if approved, would likely not require a public hearing due to the condition of the buildings and use of private funds for the redevelopment of the lot. A former West Springfield police captain was in court yesterday to answer to indecent assault charges. Brian Pomeroy, a 25-year veteran of the force, pleaded not guilty to two counts of indecent assault and battery on female co-workers during an after-party following the Holyoke St. Patrick's Day parade in March. Pomeroy was released without bail and ordered to stay away from the victims. Holyoke Ward 2 City Councilor Wilmer Will Polomota is set to be released from a Rhode Island jail if he posts $2,000 cash bail. For the last three months, Polomota has been in the Rhode Island jail facing charges for possession of child pornography after soliciting photos of a 17-year-old girl and violating the terms of his bail. Prosecutors allege Polomota, a staff sergeant in the National Guard, forged his military supervisor's signature in a fraudulent document. Good Thursday afternoon. I'm 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Chris Bazaka seeing a mix of sun and clouds out there. Highs getting into the 80s and also low dew points in the 50s. There's a chance for a scattered shower as we go into the evening and overnight. And then we do stay dry going to the day on Friday. Most of the sunny skies and temperatures staying in the 80s. I'm 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Chris Bazakis on 101.5 WHMP. When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. We have a very unique and lethal combination of emboldened white supremacy in this country and unfettered access to guns. We need to keep talking about the intersection of white supremacy and guns. Guns are used in order to you know, elicit fear and power and control by white supremacists. And it's not an issue that's going away easily. 101.5, 1400 and 1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. 586-1000. Good phone number, right? It's the number Whalen Insurance got when we opened in 1961. It's still our number more than 60 years later. If you need an insurance quote or have a claim, just call 586-1000. We answer the phone, ready to help. That's our pledge to you, until now. Now when you call, we'll answer. And if it's something clerical or routine, like an address change, we're going to transfer you to the Arbella Insurance Call Center in Quincy. You'll be connected with a real person there, too. You won't be entering your policy number on the dial pad. The Arbella Call Center. I told myself Whalen Insurance would never do this. But insurance agent friends all over New England tell me it actually works really well. So we're going to try it. And if it doesn't work well, I'm sure you'll let us know by calling 586-1000. Whalen Insurance. Local people, local service, local insurance. In partnership with Arbella Insurance. Ace flips burgers at her day job as she tries to outrun the shadows of the past she shares with her dad, who spends his days watching game shows from his lawn chair on the moon. Chester Theatre Company presents To the Moon and Back, a world premiere starring Tara Franklin and Ray Burke as a daughter and father with a history as murky as the dark side of the moon. To the Moon and Back, August 11th through the 21st at Chester Theatre Company. Get tickets now at chestertheatre.org. 
This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And welcome back to the Afternoon Buzz. Thank you for those who are just joining us. And uh, I am very excited. Uh, last Sunday, I went to a wonderful cello um, uh, concertina, it was called, um, in the Congregational Church in my hometown of Ashfield. And um, when I, uh, purchasing tickets, we purchased something I had never heard of before called Conway Fine Arts. Um, and I wrote to somebody by the name of Jeffrey Baker. And then I met Jeffrey Baker as he spoke to those assembled audience members and explained the history of the piece that we were about to um, hear, a sonata for ch solo cello in B minor. And... Um, I was dazzled by his explanation. It was a mixture of history and just sort of uh, gave color to what we were about to hear. I went up to him afterwards and inv invited him to the show and was very grateful when he said that he would join us. So welcome, Jeffrey Baker. It's a pleasure to be here today with you, Buzz. Thank you. So first, I want to learn just a little bit about you. You seem like a pretty interesting fellow. Tell us about, you know, give us a couple minutes of how you got involved in music. Oh, thanks. Well, I'm here in Western Mass after having moved from California in the pandemic. I arrived in Northampton at, at the height of a New England winter on January 2nd of last year, all the way from California, where I had some work that came to an end during the pandemic, as many things did for us when life changed. And um, I had a concert series out there. And then my fiance and I made the decision to move out here to Western Mass, first Northampton and then Conway. But before that, I played with a lot of orchestras down in Philadelphia. I'm a violist by trade, and I have played with many groups, many fine orchestras, and even on occasion, some other acts like Earth, Wind, and Fire. And <laughs> so I moved out here to Western Massachusetts to help contribute to the musical ecosystem out here. Oh, I love the way you did that uh, is couched. So you're also a teacher of the viola and violin and of chamber music, right? That's right. And you're doing that these days? More in terms of promoting concerts and building this new organization in Conway, which is really intended for all of Western Mass. We're up in Franklin County, but certainly Hampshire County is right here nearby. So I am teaching a few students and coaching a little chamber music and getting into the scene here, but it's really more about performing so far. And that organization is called Conway Fine Arts. So what is your vision? I know that it's just a sort of uh, uh, embryonic. <laughs> I propose to our first uh, guest it's embryonic, but um, tell us what your vision is. Well, Conway Fine Arts is meant to create opportunity for professional artists and build community through music and art and reach new audiences here in Western Mass, in a nutshell. Will it be mostly classical music? It will be mostly classical, but we intend to show that this music is really for everybody. I mean, it's, it's so accessible in all its emotional richness and expression, and you don't need an elevated or educated background to appreciate it at all. And in our concerts later this month in August, we are featuring a piece for blues guitar written by local composer Kenny Butler. 
and performed by my friend Chris Devine on blues guitar. And this will be part of a show that includes not only the blues, but also some Beethoven and Schubert. I had a question, Buzz. Please, Dan. Dan. How did you get involved in classical music? Like, how did that interest start? Was that from school? How did you get involved? Well, I'm a product of a proud public school music program, all the way from starting in second grade and all the way up to high school when I really surprised my parents and said, I'd like to go into music. And they were shocked. And after they picked themselves up off the floor, because there hadn't been any professional musicians in our family, we talked about it. And then I went to music school for a few years after that. Studying what? Viola. So when you studied viola, I mean, you must have been also studying um, ear training and... Uh, That's right. Yes, I'm being really incomplete, of course. Yeah, please. Everybody has an instrument that they focus on. But of course, I had, in my view, a lot of catching up to do. I'm a little bit of a late bloomer, not at all the classic prodigy type. And um, lots of ear training and music theory and that sort of thing. And it's funny, I only realized when I arrived in college that I had perfect pitch. I didn't even know wow. that I had this. And it's a, it's a bit of a parlor trick. It's a little bit exaggerated as to, as to how helpful it is. But, you know, I can tell you what key of any song I can hear on the radio. I can tell you what note the fan is vibrating or the refrigerator is humming, that it's sort really of thing. It's really funny. My brother has what he calls imperfect pitch. But and, and he plays seven instruments. He's a, a cool. A, unlike me, he's a real musician. But um, he and he used to harmonize with car engines. But my, what I remember is, and I'm not sure if Jeffrey Braver, if you're too young to remember, when we went from rotary phones to the first push buttons, they really didn't. They weren't digital. They made tones, tonal sounds. So my brother used to go do 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 do, and he could call you, uh-huh. doing his way. Uh, through it, which I always thought was a miraculous skill. Uh, what kind of phones were those? Was it? Uh, uh, aren't those called rotary phones? Oh, and these right, are right. called. I know. I'm right? just. I'm just trying to be a. Oh, you're just uh, making. Just fun pulling of your leg there, Buzz. Come on. <laughs> just somebody else in his 30s making fun of somebody in his 70s. I would never was... do such a thing, Buzz. Come on. But that's. Which... I have to say, a pretty impressive skill to do that by... by well, and he only had imperfect pitch. Jeffrey Baker has perfect yeah, pitch. Yeah, I mean... I am very envious. Um, yeah. Since my voice sounds a little more like geese passing gas. I'm going to take a break <laughs> right now so that we can come back and have lots more talk. I'm fascinated by what Jeffrey's doing and how much the community <clears throat> in general at large can benefit from it. We'll be back with Jeffrey Baker talking about Conway Fine Arts right after these messages. Stay with us. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. Want to support the kind of talk you hear on the Afternoon Buzz? Want to hear your business's message here on WHMP? Email us, your message at whmp.com. We'll help you craft a marketing message that'll reach listeners of your favorite WHMP show. And you'll be supporting the local news, Valley Talk, and progressive voices you hear right here on WHMP. Let us know about your message. Email us, your message at whmp.com, and add your message to our mission. And hear your message right here on WHMP, your message at whmp.com. 
Summer adventures are where memories are made. Add some flavor to your Massachusetts summer by eating like a local. Few things compare to a good meal at the end of the day, and farm-to-table restaurants deliver with fresh, locally sourced produce prepared to perfection by skilled chefs. Support local farmers and restaurants by planning a special night out with friends or family. Need some inspiration? Map your fresh food adventure at eatlikealocalinma.org. Paid for by the Massachusetts Office of Travel and Tourism. WHMP. At PV Squared Solar, we live by our mission, energizing a brighter future for people and planet. This year, we are celebrating our 20th anniversary. 20 years of designing, building, and maintaining quality solar. 20 years of relationships founded on trust and clean energy. 20 years of powerful cooperation. Thank you for the partnerships along the way, and we look forward to serving this community for 20 years more. Happy birthday, PV Squared! Learn more at pvsquared.coop. The Paul Parent Garden Club, every Sunday, 6 to 8 a.m. Brought to you by Weinzick Nursery, locally owned and operated since 1954. Visit Mike, Amity, John, and the rest of the team at Weinzick Nursery, Route 9 in Hadley, and online at weinzicknursery.com. Using WIC is easier than ever. You can use the WIC card instead of checks for your food purchases. WIC is a free nutrition program that helps working families stretch their food budget and make healthy choices. Visit us at mass.gov WIC, brought to you by the Massachusetts Department of Public Health's WIC Nutrition Program. Rising prices slowed in July as consumers paid less for some things, including used cars and gasoline. The Labor Department reports its consumer price index in July was unchanged from the month before when the index rose 1.3 percent. Over the last 12 months, inflation has risen 8.5 percent. Automotive publisher Edmunds.com has ranked the 2022 SUVs with the best MPG, and the Ford Escape Hybrid came out on top with a combined city highway 41 MPG. With a starting price of $28,000, the Escape is also the least expensive of the high-mileage SUVs. After years of declining inventory, there are a growing number of homes on the market. The inventory of available homes rose 30.7% on an annual basis last month. That's the largest increase on record. I'm Mark Huffman. Learn more at ConsumerAffairs.com. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 we were We are WHMP. back with uh, Debbie Baker, the uh, founder, or co-founder of Conway Fine Arts. That's right. Um, at, which is putting on a number of wonderful productions. Jeffrey, we've been talking about uh, your background. Um, you earned degrees at the Peabody uh, Conservatory at the Yale School of Music, Northern Illinois University, the Eastman School. It's really impressive. And what you want to do is make music accessible for people of Western Massachusetts and provide opportunities for musicians to find audiences. So why don't you tell us what's coming up in uh, the coming weeks um, from Conway Fine Arts and how people can get tickets. Oh, thank you, Buzz. Well, this August 26th and 28th, we're going to have part two of our first annual Heirloom Music Fest. And this is going to be concerts on Friday and Sunday, August 26th and 28th. Friday at Hawks and Reed in Greenfield. It's part of Greenfield's monthly arts walk. And Sunday, the 28th, at Three Sisters Sanctuary in Goshen, which includes admission to the grounds. And it's a place where art and nature merge. And you can see the environmental art of Richard Richardson. And our concert there will be at the Theater in the Round, which is a stunning collection of sculptures made from boulders and found art. 
And the concert at Hawks and Reed on Friday the 26th is at The Perch, which is a gorgeous ballroom with high ceilings, 12-foot tall windows, and a great view of Greenfield. Indeed. If you haven't been to the, to the uh, Three Sisters Sanctuary in Goshen, it is a trip. It's kind of crazy, um, but it is a great venue, and it's, it's more like an amphitheater, I would think, of the, the uh, theater in the round. It's, I'd say so, sure. It's really interesting. It feels like you're in uh, a Greek ruin. Right, uh, right. Pretty stunning place. It is a stunning place. I mean, so w- when you're playing in nature, um, does it change the way you approach a piece or whether you execute a piece? Well, at the end of the day, it's all about the acoustics for us because, of course, we have acoustic instruments that are not amplified. You know, violins, violas, and cellos were developed hundreds of years ago and perfected by Stradivari in northern Italy, and they have amazing acoustic properties that don't require amplification. Um, However, we've been out and done a sound check there, Three Sisters, and it sounds pretty good. We've got a Small but small yet mighty band of a, of a string quintet plus a guitar. So I have to say, though, that there is some inspiration with seeing the sun go down and the, the silhouette of the boulders and the trees and the, and the, and the setting sun and, and certainly hearing the birds and so forth provides a pretty special atmosphere. And how does a special, being in a special atmosphere translate to your music? Well, let's see. We're starting the concert with a really dramatic piece by a young Franz Schubert called Overture in C minor, and it's just so tempestuous and dramatic and expressive. And um, we're praying that there won't be rain. Of course, if there is, we have a rain location right across the street at the Institute for the Musical Arts, but it's going to be a nice natural counterpoint to have that. And then, of course, Beethoven it's just so full of references to nature. You know, you, sometimes you might mistake a bird call for some of the scales and runs he uses. I have, and to Dan here, I've, I've often bemoaned the fact that, uh, so I, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. I had just mentioned it the last segment. And um, uh, what happened was when I left Atlanta and went up north to Philadelphia, I sort of discovered jazz for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I became a genre snob. In my zeal to be able to fit in, I took a course at the University of Pennsylvania and listening to jazz. And you know, in my zeal to to do all of that, I became uh, I like snubbed other musical genres. To my great dismay, now that I'm like over trying to sell myself as somebody, as Mr. Big, you know. And uh, so I'm wondering, all of which is a setup for your question here, and the setup, Jeffrey is going to be to ask you this. Are you trying to access those people who already love classical music to come to the concerts that you're putting on? Or are you trying to introduce people who may otherwise have been snobs like me and not learned enough to appreciate classical music? Well, I think there's room for snobs and (laughs) non-snobs and everyone in between at our concerts, Buzz. I... It's interesting you bring up jazz because Duke Ellington was known to admire Stravinsky and Debussy and Ravel and any Billy, great... Billy Strayhorn and, yeah. Oh, sure, all those guys. Yeah. And any great musician sees cross-pollination and sees and admires other great minds across genres. And as far as our audience, gosh, I mean, 
the more you get exposed to, the more you learn. And then the more you learn, you realize how much you don't know. And then you just get to know more. And for those folks that might be a little intimidated or have an image that I would consider inaccurate of classical music being too highbrow or inaccessible, that's exactly why we're seeking out places like Hawks and Reed and Greenfield and Three Sisters Sanctuary in Goshen. It, it doesn't need to be in a concert hall on a Saturday night where you have to dress up or something like that. It, it's just great music. And uh, so do you have any more concerts planned other than the 26th at Hawks and Reed and the 28th at Three Sisters? We're going to do something in Conway in mid-September, and that's in grateful appreciation of a Cultural Council grant we received from them. The specifics are still coming together on that. I, you know, I have to offer an apology. We're still a, a nascent arts organization and, and putting, putting the wheels on the car, so to speak. Before we go any further, is there a website that people can contact you at? There is, actually. Um, visit conwayfinearts.com for more information about our shows on August 26th and 28th. And also hawksandreed.com has tickets for the concert on the 26th at that location. And to get tickets, can people contact you, Jeffrey Baker? Yes, thank you, Buzz. Um, we have a simple Venmo site, at Conway Fine Arts, and simply indicate how many are in your party and how many tickets you would like. And I have a website, jeffreybakermusic.com. I'm sorry, yes, .com for more information. And an email, uh, jeffreybakermusic at gmail.com. You got, you got the funny spelled Jeffrey, right? Thank you, yes. Yes, the, the proper British way. <laughs> the G-E-O, <laughs> Jeffrey. Yeah. So, and tell us about uh, musicians. Chris Devine on the guitar, Marsha Leninger, and Allison Michael. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the musicians who will be playing? Oh, thank you so much for reminding me about that. Allison's a really nice new friend, and her husband is a music professor at UMass Amherst on French horn, and she's originally from Cincinnati, but lives in Greenfield now, and so she's raising a family there in Greenfield. And Marcia Leninger, it's Marcia, it's because she grew up in Brazil. Uh, not Marcia, Marcia. That's right, and her father is German, and she's a very fine violinist. And, of course, Ignacy Gaidamovich, um, you might have met on Sunday. I didn't meet him, but I sure he sure did send me. Right. Yes, tremendous cellist and, and, and a good friend as well, whom we've gotten to meet here. And Chris Devine, who grew up in Conway. He's been is, on our show here. Right. right. Just a great guy and a great musician. Just does so many things well. My goodness, guitar, flute, violin, and, and his own thing. And it's, it's funny, I, I got to meet Chris through Kenny Butler, who's a very talented blues guitarist and composer in the area. And I ran into Kenny at the Conway Inn. And um, before I knew it, we were in my living room trading ideas about the blues. And he taught me a thing or two about the blues and inspired me to come up with the theme, Beethoven's Blues, for these concerts. That's really crazy. I'm trying to make sense of it. Can you... Help me make sense of Beethoven's blues. Absolutely, and it really ties into what you're saying about jazz. You know, as a musician, I always thought of the blues as just a chord progression, one, four, five. One, four, one. five, yeah. Yeah, and actually, Kenny showed me that it's not quite like that. He brought up these gorgeous old blues tunes from the Mississippi Delta, one of which was called Children of Zion by the Reverend Gary Davis. And it's got these amazing chord progressions, F minor out of nowhere, when it's the key of A minor. 
So he really showed me that the blues is a feeling more than anything else. And this gave me a leap of imagination to realize that, you know what? You can find the blues in Beethoven and Schubert just as much as you can with Reverend Gary Davis. Beethoven's blues, exploring the blue in classical music. It just sounds so wonderful. It's part of the Heirloom Music Festival. We're going to be talking about Conway Fine Arts for a long time. We're talking with Jeffrey Baker. So why don't you just leave our listeners with one more shot at how to get in touch with you, how to get tickets, and when these concerts are happening. And the website. Oh, thank you so much. The website is conwayfinearts.com. My name is Jeffrey Baker with a G, Jeffrey Baker Music at gmail.com. Shows on August 26th, Friday, August 26th at 8 p.m. at Hawks and Reed, and Sunday, August 28th at 5 p.m. at Three Sisters Sanctuary. Tickets are on hawksandreed.com for Friday the 26th, and also Venmo at Conway Fine Arts. And this is Buzz Eisenberg. I'm an ear witness and an eyewitness to the kind of fine music that Conway Fine Arts is offering to this region. We should support it. Let's get our tickets. Jeffrey Baker, thank you so much. It's so nice to meet you. Oh, such a pleasure, Buzz. Thank you. My pleasure, too. Tomorrow we will be speaking uh, with uh, our second candidate for the Massachusetts Attorney General Office and with Duke Goldman, who's going to be talking about our loss of great basketball player. We'll be right back. Happy talk, keep talking, happy talk. Talk about things you'd like to do. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg. 101.5 WHMP. There's nothing like being in the same room at the same time, sharing your experiences with other women. At Cancer Connections Breast Cancer Support Group, we can laugh or cry. With our burdens lifted, even for a little while, we can go back to our lives better able to handle dealing with cancer and all it entails. Go to cancer-connection.org to learn more or to donate today. Cancer Connection relies on local donations to make its services free of charge. Dear Massachusetts, marijuana is now legal for adults. The only live and local talk in the valley and for the valley. WHMP Northampton, WHMQ Greenfield, a Northampton radio group station. It's 5 o'clock.